0: And we're live. Talking Nets. Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flint, and me, Keith McPherson. The Nets lost? They lost? I <laughs> thought the Nets don't lose games. Never lose. Never lost? Never, never lost. <laughs> never, un, undefeated. Never <laughs> lost. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get this Twitter going so we can get some people in the chat. I'm looking on YouTube. Uh Here, pull up. Twitter. All right. Let me go to my Twitter, retweeted, Talking Nets, and good. Okay. Without further ado, I don't think we have any voicemails. Um, Hit the music, Alex.
1: We're doing that Brooklyn Nets Talk
0: talk right here on Talking Nets. We go hard, we go, go, hard Talking Nets Talked by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn Alright Uh, yes sir, welcome back Talking Nets, episode 183 It's been a long time since we've come together after a loss. Last year, I was doing this podcast after a bunch of
1: losses.
0: (laughs) Last year, I was doing this podcast alone. Nets had an 11-game losing streak. That shit sucked. And I remember being like, ah, this is normal for Nets fans. You know, wake me up when we get to eight losses, nine losses, 10, 11. Shout out to Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn would never. Steve Nash, of course, but. Uh, We're going to talk about the Bulls game, obviously, and all the things around the team and, uh, you know, the news and other things with the Nets right now before they play this game tonight. Keith McPherson, Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn. Robin, go ahead and say what's up and then Hudson.
1: Yeah, I just I want to start by I'm going to apologize to Clippers fans out there. Um, Caught a little heat from the Clippers fans earlier today, and I I feel kind of bad for it. Bad about it. You know, I I watched some of the Nuggets Clippers game last night. It was embarrassing for the Clippers. And I I sent a tweet out basically saying something to the effect of the Kawhi and Paul George experiment may may turn out worse than Katie and Kyrie. And the Clippers are a team actually no one cares about, unlike the Nets. I'd like to apologize for the shot at Clippers fans for no reason because I don't like when it comes toward the Nets. So I didn't need to include that. It's too easy to tweet sometimes. I was just trying to make the point that Why why doesn't anyone criticize the Clippers for anything? You know, Kawhi Leonard never plays. The guy guy never plays, and it's dead quiet. And when you compare it to, like, the Nets are the worst disaster that ever happened. I I get that the Clippers made a a conference finals, but the Nets lost to the champions in in a game seven. And the the Nets are in a much better space, I think, right now than the Clippers. So my point I stand by, um, especially considering, if you think about it, SGA was traded for Paul George and all that. But I didn't need to take an unnecessary shot at Clippers fans. So, Clippers fans, I apologize to you.
0: I don't think there's any Clippers fans in here, but I understand. <laughs> I, don't any, I don't think there's, yeah. We're,
2: they call us Clippers East. So, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. You talk about like how the Nets, they say nobody cares about the Nets, but everybody cares about the Nets. Everyone says Nets are the biggest media circus in American sports. Uh, I can say once and for all, finally, not true. The uh, U.S. men's national soccer team blew them away. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys were following that story, yeah. but it in, not to get too deep into it, because there's lots of opinions on it, but it includes a head coach admitting past domestic violence, a the parents of a player getting involved with the, the federation and the organization to try and get him fired after the coach publicly dragged probably the U.S.'s most talented player. It is great as Nets fans, because I will say one of the hyperbolic things people say is that the Nets are a media circus, and they are, but they're not that bad. The second that that's, that there was news about Clara Wu sai and somebody else, then I can maybe reconsider, but the nets, I think the nets are in the clear for the, uh, indefinite future.
1: Isn't that a good sign for us soccer though? Don't, don't all the major programs have some that sort is of crazy, true. Scandal that is true. That is
2: true. It, it, it seems like we're, maybe we're part of the club now. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
0: And they're, uh, they're looking to get to the semifinal in 2026. The goal should be to win the whole thing. Uh, but. They'll take a semifinal. Either way, uh, here we go. Talking Nets, 183, and uh, we got to start with this Bulls game. I'll lead off. I know they say it's weak to criticize the officiating. I know they say it's weak to blame a loss on the refs. I'm not going to do that. But watching this game, this was the worst officiated game I've seen in a long time. On both sides, there were ticky-tack fouls. There were obvious fouls that were missed. There were makeup calls. There were, there were things that we see in basketball all the time not called, like letting a guy land, giving a guy space. And when it's Kevin Durant, the best player on the court, like how do you not call that? I'm watching this game, and uh, Nets Twitter starts to find out who's officiating the game, and they find Mark Davis, who was like 20 to 35 through Michael Jordan's run through Chicago, went to a nearby high school, and so everybody's starting to say the fix is in, the fix is in. But either way, man, I looked at it like this. The Chicago Bulls have had the Nets number over the last couple of years, and they have good players. They're having a little bit of a rough start to their year, but they have raised their level of play for their competition. Um, they beat the Bucks right before they beat the Nets, and uh, they have beat the Celtics this year, I believe. So, like, they know that they can compete with the top teams in the east i think they just played down to their competition and get beat some time as soon as that game started the nets gave up 40 points in the first quarter and i'm like that ain't good that that's not what we've been seeing out of this nets team that's been holding teams to under 100 or around 100 points you give up 40 in the first quarter most likely that game is going to go over 100 uh there's a few themes that i will put out first and then we'll go around the horn and talk about them Uh, obviously the 40 points in the first quarter, the officiating KD going for 44, uh, Royce O'Neal Royce O'Neal was like, zero for eight, that was his worst showing as a Brooklyn net, maybe his worst game ever Ben Simmons. uh, I don't know. I don't, I come in with low expectations for Ben, but we'll talk about Ben Simmons and then giving Seth Curry some props. I think that was his best game of the season. At least like he was hitting some big shots. I think he had 22, so. Uh, Robin your thoughts on the Bulls loss that snaps the streak at 12
1: well you know first of all let's all take a deep breath (laughs) when you win 12 games in a row you're not going to win every game the remainder of the season they're going to catch an L here or there makes sense so you know a random road game against a team that's starting to to play better when the officiating doesn't exactly work in your favor right Um, and it's always tough I mean it's tough in the NBA to overcome officiating especially now like I keep hearing people talk about nobody in the NBA plays defense. And I just don't think that's true. I think over the course of a season, maybe there's less emphasis on the regular season. So that can influence effort here and there. But I think it's just so hard to guard the way that the court is spread to the degree it is and where these guys are shooting from and the volume of which they're shooting from out there. And then you can't even get close to them. So when you're getting a bad whistle on top of that, it just makes it extra tough. Um, Royce O'Neill really it's going to come down for him. It's going to come down to whether he makes threes or not. I mean, that's his success or failure in a Brooklyn uniform. I think will be determined by whether he makes open threes and he missed the open threes in that game. And then Ben, you know, Ben Simmons has shown some flashes this year for sure. I won't lie and say, I'm not concerned about a playoff series when things get tight and his inability to create a shot or his uh, seemingly uh, seeming aversion to the free throw line both wanting to get there and not being able to hit shots in those situations. But the, the good has still outweighed the bad with him as far as a fit. Um, you know, when you talk about defense, when you talk about setting guys up, setting screens, pushing the pace, all that stuff. But sure, it's, it's one of the concerns for the team. But the, the good thing is, uh, the moral of the story is, we're talking about concerns of how they're going to do in the playoffs and how they're going to do against the best teams and not whether they're going to be there.
2: Yeah. And that's a good thing to be worried about. Right. So I'll take it, you know, in reverse order with with the Ben Simmons thing. There was a long time where we were talking about his lack of development early in the season. And we were worried, well, we might not even get to the playoffs unless he steps it up, especially during the time when we didn't know if Kyrie was coming back. But now I think we have the luxury of being able to say, well, we have a good team. We have a team that is what one game out of first place in the Eastern Conference. It's not too big of a concern that the Nets would miss the playoffs entirely at this point, which I knock on wood, but I feel confident in saying. So I think that lets us feel confident in giving him time. Then to Royce, you don't ever want to see the double zeros turn into triple zeros with him putting up a goose egg in the scoreline. Royce is in a situation, just like every other Nets role player, where like Robin said, all you have to do is hit open shots. That's your job. That's your job. And there's got to be a quick trigger on that because if you have someone who is in that position getting those open shots, because if you're playing next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, you will be getting open shots. You just have to hit them. And he has been a good role player throughout the season. I don't think one game is a reason to, you know, say we have to trade him or anything like that, even if it was uh, a really bad game and a game that snapped the streak. But I will say if that continues to be a problem and persists, we do need to have somewhat of a quick trigger with the trade deadline approaching and that being the easiest time to acquire players who can excel in that role. Uh, The last thing I'll say about the officiating, and I think Robin kind of hit on this, offensive coaching and offensive basketball in the NBA has evolved at such a quick pace along with the style of player that has begun to succeed in the NBA. And it's evolved faster than the game has evolved. It's evolved faster than defensive evolution and evolutions in refereeing. When you have someone like Giannis, and I know this is a tired topic, or even back to James Harden, when you have someone who is a physical anomaly like Giannis or a play style anomaly like James Harden, it becomes very difficult to call them accurately based on rules that have theoretically existed throughout the history of basketball. And this isn't a problem that's going to get fixed, but it's going to be a problem that is going to come to the forefront when the Nets may get matched up against the Bucks in the playoffs or may get matched up against a player who is some sort of a physical or play style anomaly that makes uh, calling you know, fouls on them or fouls against them, uh, very difficult. So lots of interesting things to take away from this game. But the one thing I will say for all Nets fans, sucks to lose the win streak, but don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. We just getting
0: started. Don't panic. Uh, shout out to French Montana. I heard there was a shooting at his um, video shoot in Miami. I'm like, damn, people are right at it. New year, new me. Um, what was I going to say? In defense of Royce O'Neal, he was sick. I, I know there's really no defense in the NBA. If you're available and you're good to play, you know, uh, Jordan had the flu game and uh, guys have played sick in the past. But, like, I got to try and defend the guy somehow. Uh, Jacques Vaughn also in his post game said, we've depended on Royce. We're going to continue to depend on Royce. He missed the first couple shots. He missed the rest of his shots. But we're going to go back to him and trust him to uh, hit those shots in the future. And I trust them to do that too. That's why they got Royce O'Neal, right? I I said on WFAN last night, I forget who I was talking to about the Nets. And I've been getting plenty of Nets conversation on the fan. Uh, (laughs) If Evan can't get it in on Cardin and Roberts, I'm going to get it in on my solo show. But uh, I said with Royce O'Neal, you know, I think someone said, oh, we traded a a pick for him. And I'm like, yeah, because last year and years past, we needed a Royce O'Neal type. Like, he's exactly what the Nets had needed. He's due for a bad game. Everybody's going to have a bad game. Like, it's okay. In the chat, I see my guy, Mr. Byrne, notice John said Royce shot 48% from three in December. It's fine. Like, basically saying, like, we know, we know that that's not his regular shooting performance. That's a one-off thing. And it might be coming off um, sickness, illness, whatever. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is Ben Simmons. And I don't really care about Ben Simmons like that, like, I do because he's on the team, but when I see people like they just run to like trash Ben Simmons, I I still realize we're we're not even forty games in. This guy didn't play for a long time. I just I, I go in with such low expectations for what he's gonna give us that when he is turning the ball over or missing shots or just like you know it I I, I I'm not surprised so. Uh, there's a, a theme on NBA Twitter, Nets Twitter, and and Philadelphia Sixers Twitter about his free throws. Alex, throw up the um, graphics. So one is uh, the Nets are now one in seven when Ben Simmons makes a free throw. <laughs> like, all right. So we want Ben Simmons to miss his free throws. No, earlier in the in the season, um, Jacques Vaughn also said like we, you know, we depend on Ben and we expect him to knock those down. I think they put him in the game. And I think there was a game earlier in the year where they went to the hack of Ben strategy and Ben actually hit like 50% of his free throws, whatever. Um, Where's the other one where it talks about, I think the month of, yeah. So Ben Simmons just made his first free throw since November of 2022. And that was put out there. I think during the game, by Nets daily, but like That's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't even know that because I'm not paying attention to Ben like that. I'm not looking at his free throw stats like that because it's such a small factor in what this team is doing and what this team needs to do to win. But I will say this as we're approaching this trade deadline season and now about a month until the deadline, it does make me think about, all right, people asking me, who do I want? Who's the, the big? Who's the target that we should get? I'm like, we can't get another guy that can't shoot free throws because with Claxton and we all have nightmares from last year and Ben with hack of Ben and having those two together. The nightmares we would have if we're in a playoff series and it comes down to Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons hitting free throws and they absolutely just can't. Um, I don't know. I, I just their free throw form. Uh, we saw uh, Jeremy Sohan <laughs> shoots with one hand. From the Spurs, I, I don't know if they're going to adopt that type of form. Uh, I'll let you guys jump in though.
1: But you can't close games with both of them on the floor. I mean, you if, if you're just not going to be able to close games with both of them on the floor, and that's uh, you know probably the biggest issue on the team right now. If you if you're projecting forward, simply because they're probably also the third and fourth best players on the team, right? So I think you know not being able to have one or the other on the floor during crunch time, if not both during crunch time. Uh, isn't ideal, but uh, again, it's it's a, a good place to be to be able to work that stuff out. As far as Royce's shooting, I, I it's hard for me to get mad at a player for missing shots because it's not like that's an effort thing. I, he was still taking them. Take I'm glad the he shot. Uh, yeah. That's take what we it. say, take the open shots. Now, if it happens like five games in a row, six games in a row, then he can't play, right? Like that's the then it becomes a coach's decision. You can't play the guy who's never making a shot, but. In an isolated game, it's not—it's not like he's missing shots on purpose. So I never get mad uh, about that. And then with Ben, I, I do think—I do think it fluctuates both his confidence upstairs and in his body. I mean, I, I don't know if those two things are related. If, if you know they—they they come and go. But you see certain games where he—he he will put it on the floor and take it to the cup, and then you'll see other games where he treats the paint like it's, you know, a, a shark tank or something and, and, and quickly gets rid of the ball. And then he's just out there setting screens on offense. And that's all he's doing. I, I think it's capturing the energy when he plays really well. Because if you go back to the Bucks and the Cavs games, where they they spank both those teams, I thought Ben was excellent in both of those games. So we've seen these lull periods and we've seen these aggressive periods. and And I don't think the luxury for Brooklyn is, they don't need Ben Simmons to be what Philadelphia once hoped he would be. But they do need Ben Simmons to be a key part of what they're doing. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's levels, right? So he, he doesn't have to be the franchise player, but he can't be a scrub. And, and they need him to be a contributor um, in, in the midst of what they're doing and where their goals are if he's going to be on this team, not only beyond the, the trade deadline, obviously, but, but long term.
2: Yeah. And that, you know, that mind body connection is definitely something that's important. I know we're going to get to this a little later, but uh, Kevin Durant did an interview with, I I forget who it was, but someone with ESPN. Nick Friedel. Nick Friedel. Of course it was, right? Makes (laughs) sense. Um, And, you know, one of the things he talked about was part of why he came back to the Nets after requesting the trade was because he wanted to make sure, and he felt at the time when he came back, that everybody was aligned with their energy, with their effort, you know, towards winning a championship with the Nets. And I think that makes for a healthy locker room. And I think, you know, Jacques Vaughn also being the head coach is a large part of that. And it's so important, particularly for Ben Simmons, but I think generally for these players to have good mental health and to be in a good winning environment. And so I, I I have a lot of faith that Ben Simmons is going to be able to develop for the next second half of the season, as we approach the halfway point. And at the end of the day, you know, Robin, you made the point that with him and claxon on the floor, we can't not have our two best player or two of our top four best players on the floor uh, to close games. And you're right. But to a certain extent, you know, especially with Claxon, I think they, they can and have to make up for their lack of free throw shooting, you know, as time goes on with whatever skill sets they bring. And, and I got faith that they will, I think they're both players that are developing in a positive, in a positive direction. So, you know, I think there's a tendency and particularly among even among Nets fans. I know Nets Daily is is kind of well known for this of hitting the panic button after one thing doesn't go the Nets way. And uh, I want to refrain from, you know, hitting the panic button a little too much compared to where we were from the last episode. Yeah, it's okay,
0: man. It is what it is. You're not going to win every game. And Jacques Vaughn also spoke to the fact that the team was not talking about a win streak. They approach every game as an individual game and what. have to do to win that game and then they're on to the next it just so happens they didn't lose for a month december 4th to january 4th and they lost this one and to wrap this game up we gotta send a shout out to uh number 30 seth curry seth curry was hitting his shots he was eight for 11 he was six for seven from deep he had 22 points and he hit shots when we needed him to hit shots we waste a 44 point masterpiece from kevin durant Uh, obviously, you know, around the league, you got guys like Giannis putting up 55, Luca putting up 60, and there's a little bit of a, you know, friendly competition in the league to see, uh, you know, who can be the man on each night. Even the night that Kevin Durant had 44, Jalen Brunson had 38, uh, Kyrie had his moments in this game early. Kyrie again is reminding people that he's a magician and that he's one of the top players. And, uh, in in this league for sure. And with that being said, let's move on to the um, first round of all-star voting. Alex, if you could pull up the uh, graphic from um, the all-star voting that came out, it's small, um, but I'll basically go through it. Actually see if you can pull up the one nine one graphic that the Nets put out. That's a little bigger. So first fan returns. Kevin Durant is number one with over 3 million votes. Nick Claxton. (laughs) Nick Claxton is more popular than any player on the New York Knicks. Nick Claxton is number nine. He's in there. And Kyrie Irving, as much as they want to vilify him, the fans love him. It don't matter what year. Kyrie Irving is number one. He's got over 2 million votes. And uh, keep voting. Run it up, Nets world. We want to keep our guys at the top. We want to keep our guys uh, in there. And who knows, We'll you know. I think I heard, was did Utah get an invite to the three-point
1: contest? I think he's pushing for it. That's what Ian Eagle said on the broadcast, that he's he's pushing to get into the three-point shootout, and I believe he still might lead the league in three-point percentage. So that's the, the argument there.
0: That would be cool. Nets fans remember when it was just like, t- Spencer Dinwiddie wins the skills competition, <laughs> and that's all we had. That's all we had. It was uh, Joe Harris winning the three-point contest. Yeah. That's all we had. That's all we had. And uh, that was good enough for us. Whatever trophies we could get, we were taking them. But, um, yeah, so now the, the all-star voting is open. And uh, you just saw that. And I guess throw that back up. Throw up the leading the leading, leading the league graphic. I took a picture of the TV and put this up there. Um, I can't even read these. I think the images are coming up small because they're uh, screenshots
2: from the phone.
1: That's got to be Claxon's field goal percentage, Judah's three-point percentage, and I, is that Katie's free yeah, throw? Yeah, I got players? us up on a monitor. Bingo. So we got, yeah. yeah, Clax
2: at 74.3 field goal. Utah's hitting 52.1 of his threes, and Katie is hitting 93.1% of his free throws. I'll take it. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Um, there's
0: a little bit of a lie in there. Uh, Nick Claxton, <laughs> I guess, like, you know, his field goal percentage, he's only shooting uh, two, three feet from the rim. Uh, but good for Utah. He's got a small sample size, but enough to be considered. And uh, KD from the free throw, let's put up another graphic, the top shot maker graphic, because uh, you got to, I think this has to be talked about every week. You got to realize that, and I've watched KD warm up so many times in in, in Barkley Center. When KD gets to his spot, um, I wish we could make it bigger. But if you look in the middle, right, Nikola Jokic is in the middle, which represents like around the hoop, right around the hoop. Then all of the slices of the pie, all five slices of the pie are Kevin Durant because when he gets to his mid-range spots in the paint around there, he's rising up and he's easy money. You you, you know, you, you've you seen this. And I've seen him literally go through his routine in Barkley Center where he doesn't miss these shots. He's, he's done these reps so much. It's all footwork and timing and him being seven foot and having this wingspan and, like, he just flicks the ball. It's it's literally like if, if we were dropping a uh, tennis ball into a little garbage can. It's like that easy for the guy.
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I think one of the reasons the Nets have excelled in clutch games and one of the reasons KD and Kyrie have both had success in the biggest spots is they are both very good at taking the shots defenses want you to take. I mean, the, the whole – Rockets philosophy that became the analytics philosophy that became kind of how the game is is threes and layups, threes and layups, mid-range is not efficient. Well, Kevin Durant takes that statement that mid-range is not efficient, crumbles it up and throws it in the garbage with a swish because he's shooting 57% from the floor. From the floor. And all he takes are jump shots. I think 12% of his shots are at the rim. He's not even shooting that well from three. I think his three percentages is down. This year, it's uh, his three point percentage is 37%. He shot 38% last year, 45% the year before. So, his three point percentage is slightly down. So, that means he is just absolutely lights out from the mid range, as that graphic shows. So, uh, by the way, I, I think you mentioned it in the last show, Keith, uh, the haircut looks good on him. He, he needs to keep it clean like that. He looks even better like that. So, that keep... ball spot, KD, <laughs> and I
0: and I love KD and I love LeBron, but like, you know. You come on, brother. Like you gotta keep the keep the clean Caesar the zero. It looks like a zero on on the blade, like the zero guard. That's the way you have forty four with the clean cut. Uh, keep going that route, or even bicky
1: go bald like MJ. That's yeah. what I've been waiting for Bron to do. You know, but KD's also been great on the defensive end. So of course he should be in the All Star game. If you look at the, uh, they need to get rid of the positions in the All Star game just altogether. Because if you're being as Equitable as possible, the five starters in the East should be Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Donovan Mitchell. You know that's super, just on merit and how many games they play. Kyrie, what about Kyrie? Look, if you're telling me I could pick a player to watch in an All Star game, you know it's probably Curry and Kyrie are the two guys that you want in an All Star game. So I got no problem with Kyrie getting the votes or Kyrie playing. He absolutely deserves to be an All Star. I think it, it shows. The the I keep going back to it, but the global brand that the Nets have started to build. Um, not only just the popularity of these players or the notoriety of these players and the fact that they're fun to watch. I mean, I think particularly Kyrie has that um magnetism to the way he plays, while Kevin Durant, there's just nothing else to say, but this guy's an all-time great. But I I do think, you know, you start to see with Nick Claxton getting votes, with the merchandise sales, with like the anecdotal evidence I see. That the, the Nets have become – it's not a coincidence Mbappe was at Barclay Center and not MSG. Let's Yes. Put it that way.
0: This Nets world has been built. It took 10 years. It took 10 years, but this brand has been rebranded. The New Jersey Nets, the, the old New Jersey Nets that, you know, I started rooting for, it took a while. Different logos, different colors, a decade, and now they are respected in the NBA. They have superstar talent. They are a global recognized brand. Nets worldwide, wide, wide. Like, yes, I I know in New York they want to deny it. Like, I have I have to deal with people. Oh, nobody cares about it Nets. People are still saying no one's going to Barclays Center. Have you seen the ticket prices? Right they were back in back in like when was I, I first started really going to Barclays Center? I went in like 2013 playoffs, but like around like 2015, 16. You could you could stand outside Barclays Center at six o'clock, 630 and buy a ticket for 15, 20 bucks and go in most games, unless there wasn't the marquee teams, the the Lakers, the Celtics, um, the Heat, the, the Knicks, whoever. If they're playing the Wizards or the Hornets, you could get in there for 15, 20 bucks. Now you can't. If you go look at the tickets coming up, those marquee games, you're not getting in for, I think I already said this on the pod. You're not getting in for less than $115. And that's going to put you at the tippy top, the nosebleeds, the steep seats. Like, I wish people would stop denying it. And I think what's going to happen is the Nets have to make a run. They got to get to the Eastern Conference Finals finals this year to be fully respected in Brooklyn year 10. Um, let's start moving on a little bit because uh, I think we're, we're about to have like 10 minutes left. I did want to give a shout out to our guy, Big J, Jared Allen. He's number 10th, or he's number 10, ranked 10th in the voting for um, – Front court eastern conference so jared allen is a superstar in his own right over there in cleveland and uh you know he's not Super, with us but
1: superstar let's uh maybe throwing that up. throwing
0: that label around a little
2: too much he's, he's a, a good star he's, he's
1: a, star. a good, good i know player. <laughs> i know against
0: us against us he has some moments against us like i said when he he shot that three off the side he missed that dunk i'm like come on jay maybe not a superstar but he's a star in his own right in cleveland he's getting more votes than a lot of other guys so Uh, Moving on from there, let's throw up the uh, guaranteed contracts. Shout out to uh, my guy, Scotto, from Hoops Hype. Michael Scotto writes, The Brooklyn Nets will guarantee the contracts of Utah Watanabe, Edmund Sumner, and Markeith Morris. League sources told Hoops Hype. Watanabe has become one of the top three-point shooters in the NBA. Sumner has played solid backup point guard minutes, and Morris is shooting 48.7 on his threes. So, boom, just like that. When we came into camp, I remember even media day that, you know, those three were three of the last like five guys to get up on the podium and talk on media day. And the vibe was like, we don't know. Let's see. Um, I mean the vibe around Utah, I I really wasn't that familiar with him outside of Anthony Edwards dunking on him. And, uh, I didn't, I didn't know if he was going to make the team pleasant surprise. And if you watch the last episode of the bridge, like Utah is great. Um, Edmund Sumner. If you read that article from Alex Shifter, I did not read it. I do not subscribe to the Athletic, and I don't have the one ninety nine or whatever it is. I have it. I just not. I'm I'm not gonna go in there and give them my card information to read the article. But it was about Kevin Durant helping other people with Achilles injuries. I think him and Edmund Sumner obviously have a connection with that. Nets took a chance on him and Marquise Morris. Um, he spoke out about like the toughness of the Nets and how other teams felt like they could punk the Nets. And, you know, he's a Philly guy, tough guy in his own right. He brought that mentality in. And I think the Nets have been a little tougher. I mean, evidence of that was how hyped I was when I saw Clax shoulder Giannis. I was like, let's go. Like, like <laughs> I'm tired of letting Giannis punk us. I'm tired of nobody standing up for the Brooklyn Nets. And, uh, you know, it's good to see these guys get guaranteed contracts. That's what you want, right? You know, you take a gamble. And that's what I mean about these gambles
2: paying off and yuda is especially exciting i know we were just talking about this just uh in the last little segment we did keith but he had great representation at media day from japanese media he is
0: he had a ton talking, of like if we're talking about just for him there. yeah
2: if we are talking about the nets growing a global brand they have the premier japanese player in the nba and that doesn't mean nothing i mean as americans we may look at him and say Oh, you know, he's a, obviously he's a great three point shooter, you know, role player, but for Japan, he's, he's that guy. And he's been that guy for them for a long time back before he came to the United States and went to go play college basketball. He is, he's a massive part of what the Nets are doing and, you know, growing their global efforts. So it, it all comes down to, you know, on one hand, obviously he was a good signing, but the way that players, you know, like that can grow the net stature is huge. And you know, not just to kind of cap off that conversation. It feels like you got to wrap it up with a win, with some some sort of a deep run into the playoffs. I think that's that's where the Nets are at now. You can't you can't have this global brand with no winning to back it up.
1: Well, you're just an important part of what they're doing. I mean, when you, you see he has, I get worried about his hamstring thing. You know, like it, it keeps popping up where the hamstring tightness, because when, when it comes to guys, he's on the first hand. When I'm counting guys who I think are most important for the the playoffs, if we're being real about it, because of his size, his energy that he brings, you know, his rebounding, he, he really rebounds better than a lot of guys on the team, I think. And that's got hurt when he was in early foul trouble against the Bulls. The way he, he knows how to play, right? He plays off of guys well, and then obviously he, he's been hitting the open shots, which, you know, they are going to be some corner threes that come his way in, in big spots. All right. So
0: as we're on our way to wrapping this up, let's pull up the status report, the injury report uh, for tonight's game. The Nets will take on the Pelicans in New Orleans, 730 on ESPN, a nationally televised game. And if you guys remember uh, with, um, you know, Katie's whole trade request and all the uncertainty, you know, the Nets got pulled from a lot of the national spotlight that we had last year. Uh, Here's one tonight. TJ Warren, uh, hope TJ Warren gets well. And I think at questionable, they expect him to play, but left rib contusion. I think he suffered that in the last game. Um, we, we need him. We need him, right. He's a guy that can hit shots. Um, but on the other side, and obviously for, for us, the rest of the names, uh, David Duke, Jr., Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp, Alondis Williams, G League doesn't matter. They're out. Um, but I think, obviously, we know Giannis, not Giannis, Zion is out. Obviously, we know Zion is out. But uh Brandon Ingram has a toe injury, and he's been listed as out as well. I don't know if they've changed that. I'm trying to he's look. Still, he's still listed he, as he, out. He's out. So, so in my opinion, I know the, the Pelicans are a better team this year, but this should be a win for the Brooklyn Nets tonight to get right and to start the next win streak. Um what are you guys thinking about uh, matching up against uh, the Pelicans tonight on national television?
1: I agree with what you said. Uh, the Dets need to win this game. You know, like this is the type of game against an undermanned team. If you're the what we think they are, you win. Uh, that's thought number one. Thought number two, I took some of these bets. Uh, if you want to look into it, y- uh, Yona, uh, Giannis Valanciunas over props today um, might be a good idea. On his threes? Uh, on on everything, on everything because you know he's it, just gonna you know he's get off on the net. Yeah, he's the kind of player that goes off against the Nets, and he's gonna play more because Zion's out of the lineup. So that's just a, a little bit of advice if, if it <laughs> go, goes against free, that might be free money. Free money yeah.
2: <laughs> that might be free money. I, I just think the Nets got to win because they got punked by the Pelicans in the first game of the season. Yes, that was real bad. There. We were all there yeah. in attendance. That was I have terrible. Games. We, we, I, <laughs> yeah, we. we <laughs> that put a, that put a bad taste in our mouth for the for the start of the season. That was terrible. We gotta, I think we just got to get them back for that. Yeah, Herb Jones. I'm like, damn, these guys are getting beat by Herb Jones and C.J. McCollum uh,
0: tonight. I expect some revenge and a little bit of a different vibe. The Pelicans have a good record. I think they're three in the East with 24 wins. Let's see. Yeah, third in the East, 24 wins. They're 24 and 14, but they're without two of their starters and. Top in the in the west obviously or in the west excuse yeah. me I'm I'm uh, very dyslexic I do that all the time I'm literally on podcast and radio all day I, talking I, I, and I like
1: think I didn't think that you didn't know but I, you know right. it's just
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, like this guy said the pelicans are in the east does he think because they're in Louisiana that they play in the east
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I know what conference division like trust me I know all of that but yeah and uh, they're that's... a game out of first in the west yeah that's another thing too. Uh, I wanted to mention, I saw Robin talking about, I, I, I mean, we he got ahead of uh, the Nets actually beating the Bulls, but if the Nets would have beat the Bulls, then they would have had the best record in the league or been tied for the best tied, record. Tied with Boston. With Boston, and that's, hey, we're right there. We're right there. <laughs> like, you're not going to win every game. Streaks are going to end. Nets fans got to chill, and I'm I'm glad. I said in our, in our group chat before we podded, I'm glad we didn't pod yesterday because from – the Time the Nets lost that game into the, the Twitter spaces, which I couldn't stay in any of those Twitter spaces, and then the conversations that I saw in between the threads. I'm like, you would think we just got swept game four again. Like, <laughs> chill, everybody, relax. The Nets are just fine, they're gonna get right, and uh, this should be a good game tonight on national television. What I'll tell you is, you know, we love our crew Iron Eagle, Sarah stock Ryan Rucco, Richard Jefferson when we have them, but I they're, they're sending on the ESPN broadcast. Like, and, and Jefferson's been working with JJ Reddick. Um, I feel like RJ doesn't do as much of the Nets games anymore. I think he's become more of an ESPN guy, whatever good for him. But there's always a difference when you get the national broadcast and their angles. Listen for how they talk about the Nets tonight. Let's see if they actually have some positive things to say about the Nets. They should, they, the Nets haven't given them any reason uh, to talk about other things or
2: nonsense or stuff off the court. It should be strictly Keith, basketball. but Ben Simmons is not hitting his free throws, mm-hmm. one and seven in losses. Yeah, you're right. That's going to be the leading topic.
1: I, I think that might be the Philadelphia media who is championing that. Maybe even your boss, yo. Know.
0: Yes. <laughs> Spike. That's definitely Spike's thing. Spike, I remember having conversations with Spike, and he's like, you know Ben Simmons is not going to play, right? He may never play again. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you Sixers fans, have such an ax to grind with this guy. I don't think I've ever seen a relationship quite like that in all of sports, in all of sports with a, like a fan base that I don't know. It's, you know what it is. It's, it's like a relationship, you know, it's like they, they loved him. They wanted the relationship to work. It didn't work. And so now they're just going to talk down on him and, and, and root for him to fail every step of the way, but whatever he's ours. Now I remember, uh, you know that that Philly game last year where Katie was talking to Embiid like he's with us now. What I cannot wait till we play the Sixers. You That's know, I will question. say
2: though, it's it's pretty similar to two other players: Kevin Durant after he left the Thunder and Kyrie Irving after he left the Celtics.
1: Well, it's also- Kyrie said that. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you, let's be real. All of us were sort of developing those feelings preemptively toward KD and in the, in the possibility of a trade, right? Luckily, thank goodness he stayed. Now I think he goes down as the greatest net in history. We'll hang his, his jersey up all It's also a James Harden thing with Nets fans. I mean, I don't think any of us are the biggest James Harden fans after what took place. But, yeah, I, I think uh, because of the way it all went down in Philly, because of the nature of that fan base, and because of the hopes that they had in him via the process um, they're they're extra with Ben.
0: All right cool well we're about to wrap this one up there are no voicemails that's fine uh, if you do want to be on the next episode the voicemail number is 929 500 103 and uh, we'll be back with the new episode after probably the next two games I'll say that because uh, that's always good to end um, the next two games. We've got the Pelicans tonight, Friday night. Enjoy the Friday night. Hoops nationally televised. Then the Heat will play Sunday, um, or the Nets will play the Heat Sunday in Miami. And then we'll probably pod on Monday or Tuesday. And then Thursday, I'm definitely going to the game because the Celtics are going to be in Brooklyn on uh, TNT nationally televised. And that's going to be something that everybody's tuned into. And I hope that the Nets can beat the Pelicans, beat the Heat, which I'm not taking the Heat lightly either um beat the heat and then go into that celtics matchup ready to go yeah jay from bk why don't you leave a voicemail bro we we all want to hear your um your, your angelic voice you have such a uh smooth tone almost michael I'm <laughs> waiting to see what, what jay say in the chat after that all right y'all that's all we got um put that loss behind you you're gonna lose games, and you're you're Nets fans. You've lost plenty of games. You've sat through plenty of losses. Like it's really not that big. I know we made it that big because of the uh, officiating and the uh, the defense or lack thereof and the missed shots or whatever. But it's the NBA. You're gonna have an off night, especially on the road in someone else's building. Um, especially when the uh, when the refs have Bulls money line. But that's all we've got. Thanks for watching. Hit like on your way out. Um, subscribe to the pod, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that. Let's go, Nets! Let's go, Nets! Brooklyn.